Hi, my name is Yana, and you are listening to Timeless Teachings Podcast. Tantric path is probably the most controversial path when it comes to a spiritual journey. Traditional Tantra, Neo-Tantra, Tantric sex, inner illumination, religion and spirituality, dangers of a Tantric path, who it is for and who it is not. These are the topics that we discussed with David Verdesi in this interview. David is a spiritual anthropologist, a researcher and a life coach. He spent more than 30 years traveling around the world and searching for the most spiritually enlightened masters of the planet. He also researched the minds of people with superpowers and became the main character and Eleonore Coppola's documentary, Superhuman. Make yourself comfortable and let's begin. Welcome back, David. Good, good, good to see you with us here. And let us continue where we paused during our previous conversation, where at the very end we got the most um, juiciest part of our interview. <laughs> and uh, remind, right? remind me, please. Remind yes, me where so we let's uh, also let's remind you and let's remind those people who might be listening for the first time. So if you have missed the first interview with David, then absolutely go ahead and listen to it first, and then go with this one. Um, at the very end of the previous interview, we were talking about uh, tantra, and I would say. Just to help people, maybe let's start with recapping a little bit what is your understanding of Tantra and what Tantra is in general, and then let's see where the conversation takes us. Okay. Um, well, if we start from the etymology of the word, the Tantra means to, to weave together. And uh, specifically, the word Tantra was used as as. Uh, as a mean of weaving together the sutras, so the different uh, written tradition uh, woven together to sort of to give birth to something that is uh, a new, okay, a new vision, uh, interpretation uh, of the sutras uh, that brings together different aspects of the of the written oral tradition into something that is a coherent whole. So since since that. Uh, in Chicken Moment, uh, which is started loosely in history, roughly at the beginning of the Christian era, okay, because the earliest, earliest tantras are just around the beginning of the Christian era. Um, the tantra became this, this sort of this loose movement across uh, Buddhism, in Hinduism, but also the Shamana tradition in general of, of, uh, of the Indian subcontinent. And then from there, he went to expand into, you know, Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Southeast Asia, Thailand, Cambodia, you know, Burma, all the way to China, but also West, you know, right, moving from Pakistan all the way to sort of the, the what are now sort of the eastern fringes of, 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 of let's say, Russia. And so this, this very... Uh, and then all the way down to Japan, so, so he literally expanded, you know, and, and wherever it went, it did this. It kind of weaved together the existing local traditions uh, into a coherent whole under the flag of fundamentally either Buddhism or Hinduism, but especially outside of India, let's say that it became very much of a, of a Buddhist characteristic. It even went into China, and to, and to a great degree, it, it kind of literally co-created what is known as Taoism, the Taoist movement, you know. Um, so um, this one, if we just stay a little bit in history. Now, the characteristic of Tantra, what, what it came to be the characteristic of Tantra, of this weaving together, is the weaving together of the elements of our being. So whereas very often uh, um, the, 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 the previous traditions, so-called the Sutta tradition, were tradition which... Uh, mm, championed one element above all and sort of either refused or denied or, or, or didn't consider other elements, such as, for example, the body, such as desire, such as sexuality, we will come to discuss about this, but also uh, psychedelics, huh? um, householding life, so forth and so on. Huh? 
the, the, the role of the mundane into the spiritual. That was sort of, you know, woven in together. And it's interesting because this also came to influence greatly later what Sufism came to be also in the West. So, again, the word Tantra, which again started as this loose movement at the beginning of the Christian era, had an incredible reverberation and, and sort of rippling uh, through time and space of that, of that uh, um, sort of important historical period. Um, and what I think most people associate Tantra with, of course, is with the libertine approach to life, sexuality, and to sort of a, a, a very hedonist movement within sort of the spiritual, um, um, the spiritual path of the spiritual uh, um, traditions. And to a great degree, it's, it's true. You know, it's like the cliché are cliché for a reason because they are generally true. They're, they're like based on some truth at least, right? And, uh, and I think that that's probably what the appeal of Tantra through history is because it appeals to the nature of, of human desire, which is to want and to desire, literally. And the, and the difficulties uh, um, that most people that approach a spiritual path find in, in approaching a path, a traditional sort of vision of a path, which instead tends to relinquish desire or, or, or deny it or, or, or uh, um, repress it or, or pretend that it's not there or try to overcome it, right? With all the downside of it, because, you know, the history of human spirituality is repeated with one of these spiritual gurus, which they're supposed to be very holy and beyond desire and all their disciples, but actually they were not. And then this, this, this desire, sexual and, and non-sexual sort of you know, desire of, of fame, of success, or family, of, of whatever, right? When, when not integrated, when frustrated, when repressed, when denied, they, they grow into something very often uh, perverted. They grow into, into cravings, into addictions, into sort of mental perversions, for and so on. And, uh, and uh, probably Tantra was a very democratic and very intelligent, very adaptive response to, that, response to that. To say, okay, wait a second. This one clearly maybe worked for some people, but it doesn't work for me, or it doesn't work for many people. So how can we, again, weave together the totality of our being without excluding anything um, and make it a, a coherent path, which eventually might lead uh, to the real beyond desire. So very often Tantra has been called the path of desire to go beyond desire. And, uh, and so coming back to sex, what Tantra is uh, with, I always say that the uniqueness of Tantra is the language. Um, in the sense that whereas different spiritual traditions, they chose their metaphors and their allegories and their symbology uh, in a very recognizable way, okay? Um, Tantra chose the metaphor, allegory, symbology of sex. So is a language. is a language to describe something that is the human mind, the interaction between the mind, the senses, the energies, uh, reality, the, the, let's call it the divine or, or, or the enlightened mind that uses analogies of sexual nature. So, and this one very often got people distracted because uh, people don't understand that it's like speaking two different languages. You speak English or you speak uh, French, Italian or Russian. When you, when you hear these different people speaking, you, you hear a cacophony of sounds. They just, they looks like everybody's crazy and they're all talking different things. But maybe they are reading the very same text. So if I, I always say, one of my teachers always say, what is the sound of love? And if you say it in Italian, it's amore. If you say it in English, it's love. Two completely different words, you know. Uh, if you say it in, in, uh, in another language, I don't know, in Indonesian, it's cinta. If you say it in Chinese, it's I. Completely different sounds completely different uh, sort of um, semiotics of that sound, completely different associations of it. For Italians, love is red. 
okay, for, for, uh, for another culture, the association that they have is pink or white or blue, right? So different sounds, different colors, different temperatures, huh? different signs for it, but the meaning is the same. All of them, all these different languages, they convey the same meaning. So coming back to Tantra, Tantra is like listening to a different language, okay, which uses its own, again, sounds, metaphors, and allegories to describe the same thing. So the meaning is the same. Just that it uses the language of sexuality, of passion, of desire, of, of, uh, of, of sexual union, or you know, all that sort of big sphere. Um, and I would say that even more specifically, Tantra is the, is the descriptive process of inner illumination. And I probably, you know, in my, in my anthropological background and, 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 and exploration of different world tradition, I would say that one of the most recognizable common elements across cultures is the fact that the spiritual journey is a process of illumination. That is, that brings about the vision of the revelation, the vision of some kind of luminous form. Okay. So the vision of the divine, when you think about it, or I imagine that, you know, even just if I say the God or a God has appeared to you, what do you see in your mind? You see an image made of generally light with sort of anthropomorphic semblances. Okay, so the ultimate goal or, or, or reward of the bhaktas, of the devotees, or of the practitioner is to have the vision of the Buddha, of the goddesses, of the Buddha realm, of paradise. So it's a visionary experience that brings about, and this vision is made of light. You see it because it's, it's made with and from light. And then the fact that this light and the construct of it is one and the same with the light that exists within your mind, and this one that sort of you know, goes a bit in a different direction. But we can say that one of the common elements, one of the common goals of all spiritual tradition is to bring about the process of illumination, enlightenment, the light within, okay? And Tantra is no different. It just, uh, it's just, uh, it's uh, a process that brings about a state of illumination that uses sex. And again, this is what is unique because different cultures and different traditions, they brought or bring about the state of illumination using different means, okay? We come from a, you know, sort of Judaic um, tradition. So, you know, Christianity, um, Judaism, so the Israeli tradition, the Jewish tradition, and Islam, they have sort of one common root, it's called the Abrahamic religions. And these ones are like, I don't know, more than half of the world, probably three quarters of the world nearly all together, right? And now, in this tradition in general, the process of illumination is brought about through prayer, okay? So different protocols of prayer, different kind of prayers, but the main instrument is through the world, through the pronunciation of prayers with great intensity, eventually, and it's a very sort of uh, complex process, you have a purification of, of sort of the heart, of the mind, and you are granted a vision, eh? a theoria, okay? A vision of the divine, of paradise, or whatever is in front. And so we can say that in all this tradition, one of the common elements is that the, the, the illumination is brought about through prayer, okay? Um, if we move, uh, for example, into sort of China, Southeast Asia, okay, this process of illumination, which is called the, the, the uh, Shenguan uh, or Lingguan, the light of the, of the Shen, the light of the Ling, of the Numinous, is brought about by the transformation of energies. So generally you use the body, you use movement, okay, and you use circulation of these inner energies, which eventually eh, they acquire sort of this luminous nature, okay. 
uh, we go into the yogic tradition, uh, the Buddhist tradition, the yogic tradition. So we enter, you know, right back in into the into the Indian subcontinent and uh, the process of illumination. Not only, of course, but it's impinged to 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 a degree on breathing. So you use breathing to bring about a process of illumination. Okay. Um, other traditions, you know, if we speak of, of in, you know, in a very general term of all the, the shamanistic tradition, okay, the process of illumination is brought about by the use of psychedelics of different sorts, uh, with trance and music, which, you know, give birth to this, again, illumination, enlightenment, and the recognition of this uh, light within, which is sort of one and the same with the divine. Huh? And, uh, and, 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 you know, there are sort of other traditions that use different ways, but all of them, the goal is to bring about a state of illumination. So Tantra, what is unique, is that they say, well, you can do it through prayers, you can do it through movement, you can do it through circulating your energies, you can do it through breathing, you can do it through psychedelics, you can do it through other means, okay? How about we do it through sex? And it was it was a genius intuition because it works very well through sex. And not only that, but the tantric tradition sort of pride themselves to say that it's the fastest way to the process of illumination. Okay. And 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 you know, you go to all the earliest tantra, the Hevajira Tantra, the, the, the Chandramarasana Tantra, the Bhairav Tantra, uh Guya Samaja Tantra, all the earliest, earliest sort of, you know, um, root tantras, mula tantras, they state these uh, in, 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 in very clear terms. They cannot be, you know, uh, interpreted otherwise. That is like through sex and specifically through orgasm, you can bring about the state of illumination, the state of Mahamudra. They say, you know, no orgasm, no Mahamudra. There is this statement in the Vajira Tantra, right? Faster than any other than any other path, um, with also the dangers, and we, we will get into that, okay? Because this illumination comes very quick, but is very difficult to sustain, and and is very easy sort of to lose. Let's say like this. So it's uh, it's easy come, easy go, and then uh, if you if you sort of get lost and you lose. The purpose of the of the tantric sexual act that is to bring about a illumination, it very easy sort of turn into just normal normal sex, maybe intense, maybe the case, but anyway normal sex. Uh, and so this one was sort of was a caveat, you know, of 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 the tantric practices, and that's why they are sort of taught to advanced practitioners because they've already stabilized the mind, they already have a clear understanding. They're Goal supposedly is already very clear. So when they engage in tantric sex to bring about the state of illumination, uh, sort of it's called you know kirin, sort of you self-generate into into the luminous form of the deities or or, or of your Buddha nature, right? Um, it is generally taught to more um, advanced uh, practitioners, but not because is in itself advanced. Opposite, this I think that was sort of a, a, a a system of, of, of checking control from, from sort of the monastic or the, the institutions, okay? Because in fact, it's actually faster than, than, than most other ways to bring about the state. The thing is that again, that flare that appeared because the mind is not purified, the heart is not purified, the body is not purified, the, 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 the character, the ethics are not sort of purified or, or, or or coal, it cannot be sustainable. It's like, you know, you cannot really make full use of it. But point remain, Tantra is the path of illumination and lightness. So the generation of the light and the vision through sex, through a specific way of doing sex, okay, which need to weave together elements of Body, so certain action of the bodies, uh, so called, you know, mudras and, and, and bandhas or certain kriyas, okay? 
certain mental sort of training, words, so mantras, okay, working with the energies, okay, the breath, all woven together in the relative shortness of the sexual act, because tantric sex to bring about the state of illumination, you know, you need to be able to have sex for easily like 45 minutes, an hour, an hour, an hour, for two hours, okay? So it's not like impossible, but, you know, it requires a certain training from both sides of the, of the, you know, it takes two to tango, right? From both sides of the fence. And, 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 and you need to know how to have sex, okay, in, in the right way. And this one was sort of a part of the conversation which I think we touched last time, that there is this need that tantric sex is also gentle strokes and anything. No, it's not. It's absolutely the opposite. You know, that will never bring about a state of illumination or transformation of the sign. Um, and, um, and sort of to conclude, uh, tantra again is this, this state of illumination through sort of ritualized sexuality um, that weave together different parts and elements of our being um, and then at a certain point brings you into this uh, uh, what is called this non-dual state of awareness you know where, where, where you know the object of the vision which is the physical form of your partner and then in the transcendental or samukakaya form is the life forms they become the object of meditation. So then, you know, sort of this, this, this sexual um, journey bring eventually the state of stillness, silence, and of shamatha. So where you can sort of, you know, enter in that undisturbed state of meditation. So symbolized by the, the transformation of the tantric sort of sexual act through the iconography, which is, goes from very wrathful, very wild, you see all the tantric sort of babies, and then it ends in the peaceful embrace of Samantha Bada, Samantha Bada, which are sort of, you know, this unmoving sort of state. That is sort of the end. It becomes the object of meditation. That is the Mahamudra, right? And so that is why it's called the path of desire to go beyond desire. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic path. I mean, it's definitely it's been my, my, my path of choice since, you know, youth. Um, and, and it works. You know, and, and it's a path that is very good for lay people, for monastics, because, you know, you, you have no restriction other than sort of the, the samaya, sort of the vows that you take with yourself or with your teacher, according to which tradition you are, and, and of your practice. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so that's sort of a, mm-hmm. a, a super short uh, uh, overview of Tantra. Super short, amazing introduction into Tantra, yes. Okay, let's uh, let's go a bit deeper. You mentioned that this is, uh, even though it was very deep, right, David, I must say. <laughs> but then, then for people, you say for lay people, uh, that this is uh, probably more natural path to follow. And so my question exactly around that, um, how can they actually do it? Because what you say, it's it's very tricky one. And it's very easy to get lost and it's very easy to be misled by own desires and by the path. So how a lay person who wants to, to follow this path, what do you need to do? Like, let's say, is it absolutely compulsory to have a teacher, for example, right? Or is it possible to yeah. discover something like uh, on, on your own? So what well, is the most you know. optimal way to do it? Well, everything is possible, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I don't see why not, but definitely having a teacher, it's definitely make things easier because he laid down the path for you. And I would say come to my seminar because uh, I just been doing this since I'm, you know, 16 years old and I really did it and I'm, I'm doing this, that's sort of my life. And Many times I went to see yogis or monks that want to be yogis or karma mudra or, or this and that and tantra and that. Sorry, they actually don't really know what to do because they know it in theory, but they didn't leave it in practice because mm-hmm. practice is perfect, you know, and, and, you know, the process of illumination, which is a practice, we need to know how to body, speech and mind combine together, blah, blah, blah. It takes a lot of partners. You just need to have a lot of sex. 
and you know, and 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 these are not just in one month, but through years and years of life. That's how you get it, you know, and and that's how you actually know by doing, by experience, not by some theory or this one should be like that and the dripping should be like that and the energy should move like that. It's all great theories, okay? But, you know, how to actually do it and make it happen, it has to be done by practice. And the majority of these uh, tantric teachers, especially if we speak of the Hindu tradition or Buddhist tradition, you know, the, the gurus of the, you know, Hindu people or, or whatever you see, you know, Tibetan, Bhutanese, or Pali, it's, it's a matter of the fact that, that they learn Tantra, but they actually the non-sexual part. Because in their culture, you don't have Tinder, you don't have dating. You know, it's outrageous to think that you can date and, 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 and have sex with multiple partners over many years. So the majority of these sort of Tantric gurus, other than their fancy dresses, is they actually they have no experiences. And uh, and uh, and when you actually and you know I, I was involved in many of these things, so when I actually bring them to actually have sex, they have no idea what to do, um, and also they really they really have to learn the, the ropes, you know, the basics, so they know the, the 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 very high applications, but you know they don't know the basics, which then has to do also with, with psychology and as the man understanding the woman, a woman body, and then so on and so on, and or as a woman understanding a man. Uh, and as a man and a woman understanding what it means to be together, which is also something which very often they don't have in their culture, right? Um, and, and so the proper relationship between them and women, so and so on. So my best thing you want to learn, come to my seminar. <laughs> <laughs> be practical about it, right? Okay, great. Be practical. Um, since, <laughs> David, since you already started this, maybe let's just continue the conversation also about the, the, the tantric sex itself. We kind of started a little bit in the first interview, right? You did a little bit today, but just let's go a little bit deeper. So what, what is the tantric sex and what is the main difference between the tantric sex and any other type of sex people can have? Well, I think that they actually just just mentioned. I mean, if if we kind of stick to the to the definition that I gave for for for, for sort of simplicity, is that tantric sex is a, is, is is sex which aims at the process of illumination to bring about the process of illumination of the visionary experience, uh, and then that that leads to a very unique sort of state of mind or state of consciousness. Uh, um, that may be, uh, which is sort of the door to enter into deeper uh, forms of, of stabilization and meditation. Um, and, and that is really it. So okay. it's, it's the motivation, the intent, and the final result. Mm, the, 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 the actual sort of sexual act itself, it's uh, an alternation of, of very intense um, Sex, literally, that which you know, it could be considered passionate, but also quite uh, uh, strong, hard, okay, and, and intense and prolonged, alternating to moments of of, of sort of stillness and 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 sort of slowness and, and gentleness in sort of in in, in uprising curves, okay, and uh, the ability to surf uh, through these orgasm orgasmic waves. Uh, for, to keep the edge of this orgasmic wave for, for a long time and to bring about a number of orgasms uh, until, again, this process of illumination then begins. Um, so probably, you know, that's a simple definition. That, that, that's very descriptive. <laughs> you know, it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's very important to understand tantric sex, if we speak of tantric sex, is not for everyone. Very, very, a third time I repeat it, is not for everyone. It's so let's clarify, yes, let's clarify who it is not and who it is for, so it's clear for people. It's, you know, nowadays, I think that we discussed this at length in the previous interview, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to, to, to touch on it again. It's like, since the, the 60s, the 70s, when, when, you know, the sexual revolution and the arrival of this Asian tradition in the West, you know, imagine, you know, Osho, Muktananda, you know, whatever is it, you know, all the other tradition that arrive, all the other names and, 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 and 
divulgator. Since the time, uh, until now, it's like uh, what people understand of, of tantric sex is, uh, it's, I call it sex of psychotherapy. That is like, uh, oh, let's touch each other, let's release your armor and your traumas, let's explore our intimacy and connect them, which is great, you know, uh, because I think that is, that is sort of a new form of, of integrated psychotherapy, which became integrated with then the old movement of, uh, of somatic psychotherapy in the West, which actually was starting more or less in that same time with, uh, uh, you know, starting from Master and Johnson all the way to, you know, more um, um, modern applications of it. So don't get me wrong, sex of psychotherapy, it's, it's a great instrument. But if we speak per tradition of, of what is tantric sex, it's the opposite of that. Okay, it's for people that are psychologically, mentally, emotionally, physically whole, okay, not traumatized, little broken things, um, because tantric sex is hard, long, intense, um, and, and there's just you know, no other way to, to, to go around this. Again, there are curves. There is also the moment where then it becomes extremely sort of slow and contained and, and, and you know, intimate and profound, but you know, the, the intense, um, um, wrathful uh, part, uh, it's there. You know, tantric daddies are called herukas. Uh, blood drinking days, you know, you have into that primal, you know, animal mental state and both partners. So it's definitely not for everyone. It requires an high level of, of integration of your, what in, in psychotherapy, in psychology is called your personal shadows, that is your, you know, integrated unconscious, subconscious, and so on and so on, right? Okay, so this is very important. Um, And, and, you know, there are, there are a thousand different ways that you can bring about the state of illumination, okay, uh, that you can practice, you know, different kinds of people practices leading to the same results, okay, which is through tantric sex, okay. You can still en engage in different kinds of sexual practices, which are, again, this modern interpretation of sort of sexual psychotherapy, which, again, are very good, okay. But if we sort of stick to this, that is what is it. And you have been... And in, in that, there is a whole mental state and lifestyle because it goes together with consumption of alcohol and very often, it, you know, not, not necessarily and always, but is there alcohol, psychedelics and, and, uh, and, you know, intoxicants, you know, smoking and, you know, many things. So it's not for everyone. Simple as that. I like how clear and straightforward you are about those things. So by now, people would be, what? So we can say goodbye. If you can't handle it, probably this interview is not for yeah. you, right? So it's really clear. <laughs> it's not a path. No, it requires uh, what they call a, a, a vaginal heart, so an adamantine heart. The heart has to be so pure, the bodhicitta, the motivation, the intent. The person has you know, literally be in a, in a you know, fairly unique sort of mental state in order to do it well. Otherwise, it, it, it still works, but it becomes something else. It's closer to this shamanic or justic sex, you know, which still works, okay? But, but it's different okay, at the same time. So if there is not that preparation, that integration and of, of, of the individual, And you have been referring largely to what is understood as traditional tantra. But everything that you mentioned, it's traditional philosophy and schools. So we just have to touch upon the new age tantra because there are just so many people who are doing it and it is all over the world with all kinds of classes and workshops. But I guess in your uh, description, that's what you said about the, the sexual therapy. So that's probably, this is, is, is it what, what for you would be the new age tantra? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's you know, I, I logically, I've been around, you know, for curiosity. When, when, when I, someone say, oh, I'm a tantric master, I teach tantra, you know, it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's go and have a look, you know, and 
I've been having a look for many years. So it's like, you know, quietly in the background, uh, listening, observing. And I can say that, yes, it's, it's again, like sex or psychotherapy. Very good. Um, um, so again, don't get me wrong. It's just, uh, and, and again, it's, it's, it's tantra. So it's also, it weaves all together. So also that has been what we need. So the amazing thing of tantra, and again, that's why it's important. What I'm making is not a rejection or an absolute critique. I don't say that it's not good. The amazing thing of tantra is that it's a living tradition that weaves in and integrates different elements which logically change with historical times. So nowadays, in the, in the historical phase that we have, this element is also part of that. So I say that it's not. Okay. I just say that there is the more sort of classical or, or the, the, the uh, yeah, let's call it sort of the more classical uh, understanding and practice of Tantra based on the Tantras. And it's, it's just different. And, and, and I think that it's, it's interesting to show people that they only see and know Tantra in their sort of modern neo-tantric form, okay? What actually, where, where it comes from and the other side of it, okay, which is very important. Okay. Another question. Um, does it actually require uh, two people for the tender to take place, or let's say, what about masturbation, for example, right? When it's just one person, yeah. so you can still have yeah. an orgasm, you can still have a journey. So is it considered to be in your understanding in a traditional way, is it still considered to be some sort of tantric path? No, um, and, and I will explain you why. Is uh, it, it takes two to tango, right? So it takes you and your partner to, to actually to really do sort of tantric sex and to have kind of experiences and to build them. Because again, it takes time. Um, and, and, and therefore, you as an individual, man or woman that is, uh, you need to do training before you can engage with a partner, okay? And so the training that you do in the beginning is not only solo, it's always an integration of solo with partner, but there is the solo part of the training where you are doing exercises, physical and mental and, and respiratory and of energy movement, whatever is it, right, by yourself. And in that solo training, masturbation is definitely part of it. You sort of, to, to a degree, well, first of all, it's sort of part of the traditional practices is because it's also part of the magical part for evocation of the, of the deities and you know, cities and so on and so on. So masturbation is a very big part and it's very important. So when you don't have a partner, you know, of course, do masturbate, especially if you, if you know how to do it uh, to, as, as a practice to a certain extent. It's beautiful. Um, but it doesn't sort of really classify as tantric, there is not the, the, the union, the weaving, the joining of, uh, you know, two partners. And, and the next, yep. experientially, it's, you know, it's just different. You know, even just at the, the point of experience, it's just different. Mm -hmm. the, the result, the, the feeling, the mental state, everything is just different. But masturbation is very important is very healthy and it should be done regularly, especially if you, you know, don't have a regular part. Okay. For both men and women. Yeah. Which brings me to the next question. And I do realize that that could be triggering to some people who are going to be listening to us, but I have to ask because it is part of our conversation. We have been talking uh, about men and a woman, right? It's a union. So what about the same sex, like two men together, two women together, again, in your understanding, their union, is it considered to be a tantric pass? Is it still a tantric union? Or you need to have this polarity in different kind of male and female body? Um, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, uh, in, the, in the tantras and in the traditional learning, um, logically, it, the, the, it, it refers only to a man and woman interaction. So let's be very clear about that. Okay. Um, but understanding the process of it, 
So how you use sex to bring about a state of illumination, I think that it makes no difference if, it, if it's, you know, man, woman, man, man, woman, woman, or whichever other configuration you want. Um, so I absolutely don't think that that's, that's the problem. Um, yeah. So I personally don't have experience of it, so I don't know. But because I know the process and how it happens and what it takes to bring it about, I, I don't see why it wouldn't work uh, um, same sex. Mm -hmm. I'm just asking because I know that there are some tantric teachers who insist that it has to be a man and a woman. So that's why it was just interesting to see because there's large, uh, large group of people our days who just have completely different preferences, right? So it's important to understand how applicable this path for everyone, not just for certain traditional uh, type of relationship. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That, that, that I definitely don't see in, uh, in, in, in any, any way a, a limitation or, or, or a problem. Okay, okay. So just a few other questions <laughs> since we own it. <laughs> There is an aspect of these uh, tantric practices, which, for example, as, as, as very often it's, it's done by the monastics, uh, uh, which I call our, our frustrated uh, um, sort of lay people, frustrated yogis or lay people, uh, which, you know, they engage in this tantric sex uh, only form of visualization. So what I was saying is like, um, um, there are uh, um, many uh, sort of yogis and monks that practice Tantra by removing the physical sexual part and it becomes a form of, uh, of sex magic where to their desire and libido, they fundamentally start to have very vivid sexual fantasies. Okay? And the sexual fantasies are used to create and to, to conjure uh, form of gods and goddesses and spirits that become so vivid in their imagination, and then they kind of engage in, in, in sex with their sexual fantasy. So, you know, pretty much like fantasizing about your lover or ex-lover or watching a porn, just that is done in a in a in a more uh, um, educated way. But uh, um, um, that that is actually what. A lot of the of the yogic and monastic tradition nowadays understand the tantra, right? Um, because they have either celibacy vows, so they, in theory they cannot have sex, and so uh, they have transformed. Again, tantra is so adapted, right? That that it really, as long as the final result is there, okay, it can work. And so uh, you know, you can visualize. Uh, uh, a male or a female deity, and at the point it doesn't really matter even the sex. You can be a man with a man, or a woman with a woman, or, or it doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, and, and the result is always the same, that you have this kind of erotic embrace and sexual union with your chosen, you know, kind of God form. Okay. You know, I always make a joke. I mean, no wonder that in Christianity you have... Uh, uh, so such a big problem with uh, with homosexuality and and eventually pedophilia, sort of you know the dark side of it, um, is because the sort of the, the, the Christian male tradition is made of men who worship and visualize a male god, okay, through which fundamentally they try to have this kind of romance and 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 and. Uh, erotic connection, you know, and so the sublimation of, of their libido and desire into the intensity of love and the prayer, well, of course, you know, eventually become a man which is fundamentally fantasizing about having sex with their Jesus or, or, or anyway having such a, a confused and clear kind of relationship uh, with, with a, a male form of authority. You know, and of course, then they, they get so confused in the rest, you know, about, about their sexual identity. 
This one is my very personal reflection. <laughs> you don't need to quote me on it, but, uh, but it's my very personal reflection and I stand by it. <laughs> and I can just imagine there's thousands and hundreds of thousands, millions of Christians falling off their chairs as they're listening to it. But that's the Sorry, beauty of the platform here. We are uncensored, right? So guests who come, they can say whatever they want and then we give them permission to do this. So I love, David, that you are being very authentic at yourself. And so here's then my next and, question. And the other, the other thing is that if they are not sort of visualizing this kind of erotic relationship with a male god figure, they're visualizing an erotic relationship with a female god. You know, you think of, of mother of God in whichever form, name, and, and, and image, like from Christian to, to Hindu. And, and so you develop this kind of erotic fantasies with uh, or this flirting, this connection, trying to get close, trying to please her, trying to be good for her, right? And, and, and in this, uh, you make a mess of your own psyche because, you know, you have this idealistic and non-realistic relation with the, the woman as only holy, as the virgin or as only uh, mother, not with the real woman. Okay, which is made of flesh, desires, and emotions, right? And, and so on and so on. So then this whole thing of, of how these tantric practices are used across different cultures, they are not called tantra, okay? They are just, you know, of course, um, called, however they are called in the cultural and tradition, but they share to a certain degree the, the, the common um, elements. Um, they are so diverse. And, and the line is very subtle, you know, in terms of the result that they bring. Okay. And so it's, yes, a process of illumination to bring about process of illumination, but it's also, let's remember, Tantra means to weave together, to connect, to bring about the process of integration of the different elements of the psyche, not of disintegration, denial, repression, and, and separation of of yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you touched upon this uh, topic of the practitioners who are historically has been largely male practitioners. It doesn't have to be, but historically it was largely men, right? And in a traditional tantric view, what you're saying also, there is this very um, imprinted ideal view of a female in whatever form and culture it is. Yeah. And, and then those practitioners, with all the respect for the practice and everything what they might be going through, but then when in the world uh, they often meet real women, there is then some kind of conflict or disconnect a little bit. Right? So when you look at it culturally, or yeah, probably culturally the best way to say it, um, that becomes a really tricky one. Because on one hand, people spend many, many years practicing and I'm sure with the deep pure intention to realize themselves in the best way they possibly can. But then what you're saying also in reality, in the real life, it doesn't always transfer to what's happening in the society right now. There's a bit of a gap, right, between those. Um, and, and again, that's the danger of the theoretization of that or of practice in general, where it's just the... A, a theory, and again, it's interesting because the word theory means vision. It's sort of, it's just a, a vision of something, but it's not the real thing. It's like a mirage, okay, or a fantasy or something. And so, yes, you can spend years visualizing the, to details the form of the goddess standing on one leg of 16 years old with the full breast, holding this one and that one, and falling in love with her with great devotion and singing the mantras and invite her to come in or, or, you know, the male God doesn't matter, but the same thing, right? But those are, those are templates. Those are mental templates. Those are fantasies, okay? And then you start to become excited of all these images, but it's a fixed image. It's a template of the mind. It's not real, okay? And, and then they don't match, you know, a real woman is not just standing like this. When she's in bed, she moves, okay? She has emotions, she has desires. And you know, and I have a lot of these so-called tantric masters or so Taoist master is the same because in the Taoist tradition, there is the same sort of thing. And I, I come from there originally. I started in the Taoist tradition. 
And then it's like, oh, but you know, you shouldn't move like this, or you shouldn't do like that, uh, you know, because then I cannot do my whatever is it, my magic or my or my or my process, you know, or stop. No, not like that. You understand? It's like it's not applied into reality. It's a fantasy that doesn't apply into reality. And then that perfect virgin goddess appearing like this, like this, it doesn't match with the reality of a woman which has an history, which has emotions, which has desire, which has, you know, an identity, personality. And, and the big problem that all these, these gurus have is that they, they, again, because they only live in a fantasy of a template, which they fantasize and they build for many, many years, but they don't have real life experience of 100, 200, 300, thousands of real partners, okay? And, and, and I don't make the case of people that choose the family life where you just stay with one partner and that's it. Okay? That's, that's also perfectly fine. But in the tantric tradition, generally, there is, there is a tradition of having many partners until you master to a certain degree, right? And then you have your sort of your favorite or you choose one, that's a different story. And so what happens is that these gurus or these, uh, these uh, sifus or these Taoist masters or tantric masters is is that then when they deal with people that are real, that have personalities and identities, and they are not used to women that have a personality, that have an actual identity, they want you to be this depersonalized, idealized self. They cannot deal with the real personality, okay? Especially when there is the interaction between Asian gurus or masters with, with Western women. You know, Asian women, by culture, education, background, are... Uh, generally less um, assertive, let's say like this, or, or their personality, it's, I don't know if less developed, but let's say developed differently, okay? And, and so very often when instead these Asian males, masters, bracket, they, they then have to deal with, with, with Western women, you know, it's like, it's confusing, right? Um, and, and so I think that here, Tantra, it's the weaving and the putting together of what is the fantasy of the, of the unconscious and then mix it with the reality of the conscious. It's a big part of Tantra. It should be a big part of Tantra to turn it from just a, a theoretical fantasies into, you know, something real. Mm-hmm. And it's also probably, at least from what I have had, one of the biggest I mean, scandals that have been happening in this area around the world. It's usually what you said, an Asian male master, and it would be some kind of Western woman, right? So that, I mean, there are, there are, no, there are numerous of them through the history. Uh, I'm not going to get into this, but yes, just to illustrate your point, so something maybe gets lost in translation, different mentalities, different upbringing, just does not, doesn't click in this particular way. Um, so David, with your lifestyle <laughs> and your views on everything, I just want to ask just a little bit as we're going to be finishing <laughs> up soon this, this conversation. Um, how is, like, from my understanding, you're relatively or maybe very open about who you are and how you live and what you believe in. That's so how people are reacting around you given that we technically do live in a modern society. So, but still, it's like, have you, you know, had experiences of, uh, let's say, um, strong hostility with someone who would be, uh, you know, saying that it is completely wrong the way you do this and this is, people shouldn't be following this path or maybe even from a traditional teachers who often, because this is also another cliche, right? There's very often when traditional, particularly Asian teachers often think that Western people, especially Western men who go into Tantra, then somehow um, not misuse the traditional Tantric teachings, but show it through a different perspective, which not all traditional teachers would agree with. So have you ever had any of those kind of experiences? Sorry um, to put you on the spot. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, I would say that is the strong the strong point of my brand is authenticity, okay? mm -hmm. and uh, that is really what I teach to people is how to take out the mask and and learning to be themselves, you know, learn to be who you are. 
um, and be very comfortable with it because it's the only way that you can be happy, right, to a degree. Um, and, and so I personally, I am who I am. I say what I say. I mean what I mean. I do what I do. Um, I have my own ethics and moral, my compass, uh, and, uh, and I generally know what I'm doing. And then if someone, you know, misunderstanding, misuse it, you know, uh, that, that I cannot control. And uh, I generally, I, I, I also, you know, I don't follow internet profiles. I'm sure there is a lot of, of comments about me on the internet. I personally have no idea because I never look into it. So <laughs> the, the bliss, the, the bliss of ignorance. The bliss of ignorance. As per the traditional teachers, um, likewise, I personally, you know, um, I always was a, a very free uh, player. I never sort of pledged to, to, to put a costume or to be in a specific tradition and so to abide by the guru. I'm, I'm a Westerner. You know, I come from, from and I'm an upholder of, of the Greek idea of, um, of personal agency and, and uh, free will, however illusory that might be. But the sense of personal agency and, and the free agency, um, it's, it's very strong for me. So I've always lived as this rogue anthropologist traveling in each culture, using my own mind to understand what I was seeing, to understand what I was doing, to understand the cultural frame of it, to understand the comparative sort of experience that other cultures might have the same in different languages, different names. And I always live like that, from this culture to another culture. So I respect all traditions, but I cannot really say that 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 you know that I abide and 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 uh, and belong to a specific one. You know, uh, we belong to ourselves ultimately, and, and that is it. Then I might have an inclination. I discover an inclination toward sort of you know the, the teachings of the Buddha toward sort of the end of my journey, and I I, I stand by it, thinking there is a. Um, profound, if not fantastic, um, system to a degree. And, and yet I absolutely do not adhere to any churches of Buddhism, be it Mahayana, Tibetan, uh, Hinayana, or, or anything else. You know, it's like I studied the word of Buddha, I went to see some accomplished teacher, I understand principles and uh, I also see a lot of, of, of dichotomies, a lot of, of, of paradoxes, you know, and because the theory is one thing, but then the practice is something else, and, you know, and there is always the human element into it. Um, but I would say that probably I have a fairly good standing uh, with the traditional teachers, you know. Um, so I, I never receive any open complaint about that <laughs> either. And also, what is important is that I now speak of Tantra in, in a very logically Asian way, using sort of Buddhist Hindu terminology because it's also what, what became known for or what is associated with. But you didn't ask me my personal belief about it. And if you would ask me, I would tell you that Tantra actually is a very Western tradition which existed in the West and predates the Asian sort of version of it. Um, and, and so I absolutely don't feel that I kind of had to go really there to, to learn something that didn't really exist or belong into my culture. Um, so that's also, that's also another, another topic. It might be part three. <laughs> uh, just a few words about that before we finish. I mean, I love interviews with you. The moment I'm, I'm feeling, okay, this is it. We are closing. You say something and it becomes another interview. But just a few sentences, okay? So that we are kind of can round up this one about that particular, that particular the, the, thing. The word to define our pleasure, orgasm, okay? come from a Greek word, orge, okay? And this Greek word uh, was sort of, uh, um, was used in the context of what they're called uh, orgiastic rituals, okay? 
rituals of orgasm, cults of orgasm, which existed in the Mediterranean basin since at least the first, if not the second millennia before Christ. So it, it antecedes the, the formalization of, of the written tantras uh, that are in the first century of a good a thousand years, if not more. Okay. And uh, enough said, you know. <laughs> well, I could elaborate on that. <laughs> and with that, David, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> wow, that was spicy, controversial, and provocative. Timeless Teachings Podcast is the platform for raw and unfiltered conversations about spirituality, mysticism, and consciousness. We invite guests from all over the world to show you the variety of opinions, schools, and pathways that give the promise of illumination of what is called enlightenment. And it is up to you to decide which path would you like to follow. Only you know what is right for you. Did you enjoy the interview? Feel free to share this episode with friends, subscribe to the podcast, and follow us on social media. Stay wild and be humble. До встречи! Thank you.